The schizophrenic 60s, Woodstock and dance crazes. In the year 1969, which witnessed the landing of Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin on the moon, the rise in the sports of the Miracle Mets, and the watershed of gay liberation with riots in Greenwich Village Club of Stonewall, and the death at Chappaquiddick of Ted Kennedy's passenger, Mary Jo Kopechny. The event that came to label a decade and a generation was the wacky musical gathering of 400,000 hippies on August the 15th, 16th, and 17th on a farm 40 miles from Woodstock, New York. It's been said that the success behind the Woodstock happening was its spontaneity, which created a mania akin to magic. It was a miracle that the happening even happened. As planned by its organizers, the three-day concert, billed as Three Days of Peace and Music, featuring performance by The Who, The Grateful Dead, Janis Joplin, Jefferson Airplane, Crosby, Stills and Nash, Jimi Hendrix and others, was to raise money for a recording studio in Woodstock, New York. By the time the tickets were printed for the Woodstock Music and Art Festival, yes, it was also to be about arts and crafts, backstage bickering and financial hardships forced the gathering to accept the offer of Max Yasker to hold the concert on his farm in White Lake for a fee of $50,000. Woodstock, though, was more than music. Despite the outstanding performers by supergroups, the real star of the show was the freewheeling, drug-taking audience of scruffy, half-naked, tripping teenagers. There were so many bad LSD experience that acid tents were erected to assist brothers and sisters through their hallucinogenic travail. A memorable, often quoted line from the event is, quote, that brown acid now circulating amongst us is not specifically too good, end of quote. Amid the deafening music and the drug-induced confusion, hippies deputized themselves into the please force marked with an armband bearing a winged pig. The true miracle of Woodstock was that in the mob of 400,000 long-haired, often naked people, swallowing acid and policing themselves, not a single violent incident erupted. One person died of a drug overdose, another was hit by a tractor, but supposedly not one hippie raised an unwashed hand against another. When the local folk heard that the hippies were running out of food, mostly peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, they boiled farm eggs and made sandwiches which were flown in by helicopter. The event that labeled the Woodstock generation has been called, in earnest and out of sarcasm, the greatest outdoor party since the miracle of the loaves and fishes. Why under such adverse condition as too little food, excessive drugs, overcrowding, and underwashing was there no violence? Champions of the Woodstock experience claim that the attendees were deeply peace-loving flower children. Critics, on the other hand, point to the mind-altering drugs, arguing it's hard to riot when you can't determine whether you're staring down at your own wiggly toes or a nest of vipers. More than 20 years after the festival, a sign by the roadside marks the acres of the field that were the site of communal living on a monumental scale. The 300-foot-long stone wall that once separated the field from the road is gone, dismantled piecemeal over the years by tourists and visitors making pilgrimages to the, the Aquarian Age Shrine. Woodstock never made a profit for its promoters, but it assumed a permanent place in the social history of the century. And although I've had many students who thought that I was at Woodstock, I was not. I was back home in high school my senior year. Dance crazes. The solo era is born. As the phenomenon called the generation gap burgeoned in the 60s, oldsters, that's age over age 30, were pitted against youngsters in the arena of politics, sexual freedom, popular music, and dance. If do your own thing was a motto of the youth movement, in dance it assumed the additional meaning of going solo, a shift from the pas de deux to pas de un. 
partners never touched in dance crazes like the Twist, Mashed Potato, Watusi, Bristol Stump, Frug, Swim, Monkey, Pony, Jerk, Cool Jerk, Shaggy Dog, Skate, Funky, Boogaloo, and Hitchhiker. Such a welter of weird and wacky steps that in the 60s America was called the Land of a Thousand Dances. The dance that touched off the solo era, marking the opening the decade of the 60s, actually started in 1959. When a group of black teenagers dreamed up torso-twisting steps to a record, The Twist, by the Detroit group of Hank Ballard and the Midnighters. It would take another year for an ex-chicken plucker named Ernest Evans to re-record the hit under the name Chubby Checker. He took the name Chubby because his hero was Fats Domino. And for the song to debut on American Bandstand, where it was introduced to the white audience through the regulars Justin, Bob, Kenny, and Arlene, Twisting Time Was Here. Twist. As Chubby Checker himself explained, the dance revolution inspired by the twist, before the twist came, everyone danced together. I'm the guy that started people dancing apart. I taught the world how to dance as they knew it today. Checker also offered a description of how to twist. It's like putting out a cigarette with both your feet and coming out of a shower and wiping your bottom with a towel to the beat of the music. It's that simple. While Chubby Checker started teens twisting, he graciously acknowledged, quote, I couldn't have done it without Dick Clark and American Bandstand. That show was just it in those days, end of quote. From being performed on television and by teens, the twist quickly swept the country. As anyone knows who's seen a magazine or newspaper or television set lately, said TV Guide, there's a dance craze, a torturing, devilish tribal rite rampant in the nation. At Manhattan's posh Four Seasons restaurants, 250 prominent New Yorkers gyrated the night away at a benefit twist party. In October 1961, Ed Sullivan invited Chubby Checker to sing and dance the twist on his nationwide TV show. Dance historians searching for roots of the twist in the past crazes offered the shimmy and the black bottom and pointed out that a song popular in the first decade of the century included the line, Mama, Mama, where is Sis? Down on the levee, doing the double twist. That might be twisting history a bit. Peppermint Lounge and the Peppermint Twist. The twist became a dance craze when adults due primarily to its acceptance by the jet set. And it happened in a one-seedy, hole-in-the-wall hangout of pimps and prostitutes, reincarnated through a cheery coat of paint and countless lights as the Peppermint Lounge. What bandstand was to teens, the Peppermint Lounge on Manhattan's West 45th Street was to the likes of Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton, Jane Mansfield, and Judy Garland. Debutante Charlotte Ford and international playboy Porfiro Rubinosa. Garbo got in but didn't dance. Writer Truman Capote twisted, as did composer Leonard Bernstein. The Peppermint Lounge was Studio 54 of the 60s. Hopeful dancers were even insulted at the door and turned away. A hit song, The Peppermint Twist, by Joey D. and the Starlighters, for three weeks in January 1962, the country's number one single, celebrated the lounge and the dance craze. Saturday Review claimed the twist was a valid manifestation of the age of anxiety. Time found it to be a replica of some ancient tribal puberty rite. But from the standpoint of social dance, it was important for two reasons. It was the first dance strictly for the individual, not the couple. And it was the first dance of the rock era to cross the generation gap from teen to trendy adult. The dance craze spawned song and movie spinoffs. The Isley Brothers released Twist and Shout. Gary U.S. Bonds had a hit in Dear Lady Twist. Sam Cooke had a bigger hit in Twist in the Night Away. And Elvis Presley got in the mania with Rockahoola Baby. 
Columbia Pictures rushed out Twist Around the Clock, while Paramount competed with, hey, let's twist. For a time, it seemed everyone was twisting the night away, except Twist detractor, former President Dwight D. Eisenhower, who at the dedication of the Eisenhower Library in May of 1962, asked the assembled crowd, what has happened to our concept of beauty and decency and morality? Once unleashed, though, the twist was like a twister that couldn't be stopped, sweeping not only across the country as a dance craze, but ripping through the decade as a revolutionary force in dance. The solo, hip-swiveling dance is credited with being the progenitor of such kindred fads as the mashed potato, the pony, mess-around, mad majestic, slop, jerk, swim, mule, fly, filly dog, watusi, and the hully gully. Like the twist, these other dances involved pantomime. And in that sense, they were not unlike the wave of mimic animal dances of the teens and the 20s. Mashed potato. Popular in 1961 and 62, the mashed potato was a variation of the twist, and like that dance, it also contained the so-called lasso movement. A social dance manual explains, quote, stand with one foot in front of the other about six inches apart. Transfer the weight from one foot to the other with basic twist step. At the same time, circle right hand overhead with pantomime of a lasso. End of quote. The mash part of the dance involved alternating swiveling ball of foot movements as if you were mashing potatoes. The dance inspired several songs, including the country's number one single for two weeks in October of 1962, Monster Mash by Bobby Boris Pickett and the Cryptic Kickers. Interestingly, Pickett first titled the song Monster Twist, but by the time he got around to recording it, the mashed potato was a more au courant than the twist, so he made the title a little trendier. The Swim, popular in 1964, the swim reflected the growing interest in the sport of surfing, but it already spread eastward from Southern California. Surfing was performed on ocean waves, later on skateboards, then on the dance floor in the form of the swim. With feet largely stationary and arms pantomiming a breaststroke, backstroke, crawl, or dog paddle, or outstretched to simulate floating, it was popularized by Bommy Freeman's swim songs in which a dancer boogalooed while doing the above and pantomimed submerging the body underwater while pinching the nostrils closed. The Watusi. As in the swim, the stance of the Watusi dancer is that of a surfer balanced on a moving surfboard. Springing action of the knees together with a half-arc hip sway creates an illusion of the ocean's ups and downs a surfer would experience while riding a wave. The dancer's hands and arms are, are free to imaginatively perform any action associated with, in any way, the surf. As a dance manual lists, quote, picking up a seashell and listening to it, looking around and beckoning for other surfers or swimmers, fishing, shaking water out of the ear, losing balance, end of quote. The actions are limited only by one's imagination. The dance was popularized by Orland's hit single, Wa Watusi, the monkey. Popular in 1963 and 64, this mimic dance was characterized by tugging hand motions, as if hauling oneself hand over hand up a rope or climbing, monkey-like, up a coconut tree. A monkeying purist, which reached the top of the tree, shakes free a coconut that hits the dancer's head. Then the dancer shrugs and drinks the coconut milk. Next, the dancer locates a banana tree, climbs it, peels a banana, and eats it. The steps are as diverse as one's familiarity with wildlife series. Is. A single hit in 1963 based on the dance was The Monkey Time by Major Lance. The Freddy. In England, the former milkman, Freddie Garrity, with several friends, formed a band called Freddy and the Dreamers. 
When Freddie performed on stage, he had a habit of jumping wildly up and down. Thus, with imitation, the sincerest form of flattery, teens immortalized the antsy singer with a dance. Freddie's own instructions for doing his dance was, quote, You have to lift up your feet like a farmer in boots coming out of a muddy field. End of quote. Few American teens shared the rural experience, but they proved to be proficient imitators. As a dance craze, its popularity was more fleeting than most. The Jerk Popular mid-decade, the dance was not recommended for anyone suffering from a back problem, for it involved snapping your upper body forward with a jerking motion while the lower portion remained relatively stationary. Unlike the mimic dances of the decade, the jerk was a radical departure in that it became the individual dancer's spastic response to the rhythmic beat of the accompanying music. It could be danced, according to the instruction manual, while moving forward, and backward in a basic pattern lifted from the Charleston of the 20s. No one doubts that teens in the 60s realized that this was what they were doing. It was danced to the capital single hit, Cool Jerk. The Frug. The Frug of the mid-60s is thought to have originated among college students at Syracuse University in upstate New York. Like the twist, it was predominantly a hip-swiveling dance, but with one defining hand motion. The thrusting of a wagging index finger above the head high in the air, as in a scolding gesture. The action was strongly reminiscent of the finger thrusting done by 30s fad dance, the Lambeth Walk. By adopting instead a thumb-out hike-hitching gesture, one did the hitchhiker. Last one, Shaggy Dog, also known as the Skate. This dance of 1966 involved continuously shaking your head from side to side as if seized with Parkinson's palsy. The foot moves were those of skating in place. The entire dance, writes one authority, quote, was strongly reminiscent to Little Eva crossing ice in the main ballet sequence of The King and I. As Dick Clark points out in Rock and Roll and Remember in the late 60s, as the hippie movement gained momentum nationwide, dances ceased to have faddish names. Many teens stoned sim- simply moved to music impressionistically and exhibitionistly. Comments one historian, quote, Dancers swayed, swooped, and twirled in a formless expression of ecstasy or sometimes despair, end of quote. Not until the popularity of disco music in the 70s did dances again have catchy names, but by then the era of a thousand dances had ended. So that's Dances from the 60s. Now the sources for this, I should say the source for this, Panati's Parade of Fads, Follies, and Manias, The Origin of Our Most Cherished Obsessions by Charles Panati. So I hope you enjoyed that. And as always, don't forget to come by the website, summahistorica.com or historyaccordingtobob.com and ask a question, leave a comment, check out our merchandise. And as always, thank you very much.